The Fan-Controlled Football League is a new professional football league where teams no longer have a front office. Instead, fans control all the decisions, from drafting players to hiring coaches, calling plays. Your path to domination is just an app away. Guys, make sure you visit the website fcfl.io to learn more. Yeah. Eat, sleep, fantasy, you rockin' with the best. NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. We talking mock drafts, running backs, better follow. The conversation with Dale, Christian, and Armando. Screaming Eat Nation, we doing what we like. Tune in every week, guarantee we get it hype. Fantasy, football enthusiasts, I know you plan to be. Joining us on Eat, Sleep, Fantasy. Yeah, Eat, Sleep, Fantasy. Eat, Sleep, Fantasy. What is going on, Eat Nation? Welcome to another episode of A Week in Review. Coming at you from the Pack Northwest, you got Austin on the mic. Joining me today, I got the kid from the heart of Detroit, not Eminem, not Kid Rock, but the kid, Steven, and I'm going to mess your freaking name up. The guy is crushing it on Instagram. If you're not following us on Instagram, you need to check out what Steven has done for Eat Sleep Fantasy on Instagram. What's going on, Steven? Hey, Austin. What's going on, man? You know, hey, if you mess up my name, I'm not mad at you. I, I've been listening to it since uh, I was a little kid playing sports. So, so ha- what's the right way to say it? This is something I wanted to hear you say. <laughs> Spacarotelli. So basically, John, if if you take those C's in the middle (laughs) and you pronounce them like they're two K's, brother, you got it. That's all there is to it. Spacarotelli. That's why I always just tell everybody to call me Spac. That's why my Twitter handle is at SPAC21, SPAC21. And as you heard, also joining us on on this episode is John Chappie, the man, John Chapman, from Pasadena, the heart of roses. I'm so jealous. What's going on, John? Oh, man, just glad to be here again. Uh, had a great time last week and uh, looking forward to arguing some some players today, hopefully. I don't know, man. You guys seem to be all over. It must be the 49er and you both yell, so. We, we can evaluate talent really well, uh, just not character issues, turns out. <laughs> so if, if you're surprised by not hearing Dale, Christian, or Armando Hey, this pod is just a look back from the week of past, kind of go over some different analysis, different perspective. So if you're looking for Dale, Christian, or Armando, they're not going to be here today. They're always welcome to come on, but they are not going to be on this pod. And so we must don't... be doing something right, man, because they haven't kicked us off yet. I mean, this is our third episode, so, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they're giving us a few before they just kick us to the curb or we're doing something right. That or they're just so busy, you know, they're trying to do all their stuff during the week. So <laughs> right. hey, so, so for this pod, like I said, all we're going to do is we're going to go over, we're going to look at everything that happened. And believe me, boys, this was a crazy week when it comes to for oh, fantasy man. football. So so before we get into fantasy football and all that uh, crazy stuff, hey, let's talk about the Michigan game last night. Holy cow. You know, that... For all the upsets that have happened so far, that that just would have been icing on the cake, in my opinion. But man, I mean, you want to go back a few years to Trey Burke shot, you know that, that that's parallel, if not better, right? That that was that was something special, right there. Yeah, that the one. So I put, I definitely put that on Twitter, which one and Facebook, which one was better? 
I don't know because that one put us that one put us into overtime against Kansas. I mean, this was just a small time school that gave us a run for our money. And now I, we I just didn't think y'all our, were gonna make it out, man. I really yeah. didn't. Why, why do you have to be so negative, John? Come on. I'm just I'm just saying I, I didn't feel it. Um, and this and is coming we, from a person that picked, you know, the number one champion ever, Virginia, to win the whole thing. So, uh, oh, again. I did too, man. That mushroom cloud's still hanging over my brackets, brother. Oh yeah, that's crazy. We we saw Michigan win last night. We're pretty lucky. We saw history made this weekend with a 16 seed taking out a number one seed. I mean, they've tried what I think I read 135 times where this this came into play. What are your thoughts on seeing history being made? The biggest thing for me in that, honestly, was just the fact that Virginia was the best defensive team in all of college basketball. And they didn't just lose. They got their asses handed to them. They lost by 20 points. They were outscored by 20 points in the second half. So, you know, UMBC, hats off to them. They clearly got in their head, and they ran with that. I mean, that was just an absolute beating. Yeah, the attitude from that squad was legit, man. Like, they they were playing pissed off the whole game, and – they were never satisfied with the lead and they just kept building on it. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Now, would you be mad if I told you that Virginia had lost three players during their end of season tournament? Yeah. Yeah. Should have saw it coming. Should have saw it coming, but losing against the number one, that, that, that's a, that was a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. Even, yeah. even losing those players. I mean, still uh, a 16 over one, I mean, yeah, no, as it is, as it says in states, it's clearly history in the making. Did you see if you were to bet on that game, if you would have bet $800, you would have made $16,000 on that game alone? Well, Vegas paid out a lot that night, I could tell you that. (laughs) Oh, if I had that type of money laying around, that definitely would have been something. So next year, are you going to bet on all the 16 seeds to take over a number one seed? Every one of them. Every one. (laughs) Nice. Nice. All right, let's get into a week in review. (laughs) So, as far as stuff being talked about this week, uh, I think the biggest one as far as not fantasy football was, let's talk about waffles. So, last week we crushed you with bagels and toasters. This week we're going to talk about waffles. So, here's a quick clip. Here's a quick (laughs) clip about waffles. Okay, let's talk about waffles. So, what what are you going to talk about waffles? Okay, we were talking about waffles off air because... I mentioned waffles, and this guy, Austin, just got a waffle maker, apparently. No, I did. I did. No, Dale just got a... You guys are the same person. Yeah. Dale just got a waffle maker. Austin has a waffle mm-hmm. maker that you can remove the little grill panel mm-hmm. things from. Yeah. Basically, I was just saying that I was going to make waffles if I... What? You, you're a fucking animal. I was going to make waffles if I had chocolate chips left. They responded with a visceral reaction of oh what are you a child and i'm like most of our yeah that's exactly how you guys sound to me that's how most white people yeah. sound to me yeah. oh well uh, what do you mean <laughs> yeah that's how we all sound yeah i put it on the poll on our twitter page because i was like adamant that i thought chocolate chip waffles deserved more respect so far after 69 votes giggity in eight minutes 52 percent say yes Waffles are better with chocolate chips. 52%. That should be 100%. No, your wife voted because she's sticking 68 with 68 times? <laughs> she voted, what, 68 times? 
because I voted the other one to make a 69. <laughs> man, I'm just going to say, uh, I love the chocolate chips, man. I, I'm totally in on this. My son, uh, anytime we do pancakes or waffles, we, uh, we we always throw the chocolate chips in there. Just a little bit, not too much. If you put too much, it ruins it. But I, I'm a pro chocolate chip waffle man. Yeah, chocolate chips are key, man. I'm all for it. And same thing with pancakes and waffles, right? I mean, every Sunday morning, I make them for my son, and I give him the option one or the other. And I'd say 99% of the time, he goes with chocolate chips. And, you know, I put a nice little smiley face on there with some maple syrup on it. But, you know, chocolate chips on anything, I don't really care what it is. It's like ketchup or ranch dressing. It just goes. <laughs> I'm about to hit. I'm about to hit delete on this recording because both of y'all are crazy. <laughs> so, so you're you're anti chocolate chip. I'm anti chocolate chip. I don't like chocolate. So you don't like fun. That's what who, the thing is. No, are I you? love fun. That's what they make alcohol for. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm, <laughs> what I'm is not this a chocolate monstrosity we're yet. listening to? Come on now. Yeah, I can't, I can't stand chocolate chips and anything. I don't even like it. You know how Dale was talking about uh muffins and stuff like that. i don't like chocolate chips and that crap either i just want the straight i want the flavor that was supposed to come with a package you don't need to make any additions to it <laughs> just just give me what was told to be in the package and i don't Did want you all even have stuff. a fun childhood i mean come on what what's going on here <laughs> i i was the antichrist as a child so i don't know if you'd call that fun so but i'm so just so y'all know i've made waffles every weekend for about eight years for the wife and kids and i have never put chocolate chips in any of them and two i have eaten nope i have never eaten one of my waffles the only time i eat waffles if we go out if we're traveling and have a waffle bar but i kind of like having whipped cream with the syrup that's kind of my thing i'm a peanut butter guy man Ooh, peanut butter is good but yeah touch on your point austin that just sounds like an absolute personal problem it's straight straight sugar straight for diabetes which at this age so so this week like i said this week was a crazy week we had a lot of free agent signing um let's let's try and get that stuff knocked out before we go into some combine and some dynasty how do y'all feel about that yeah let's Sounds do good, it man yeah so i'm gonna read off some names you guys stop me where you want to when you want to talk about we're gonna start with quarterbacks and we'll go into running backs wide receivers and tight ends so kirk cousins yeah, this I want to jump in on this one just because, you know, as a Niners guy, I always thought Kirk Cousins was going to wind up in San Fran, but it didn't happen. But this is a huge upgrade. Of course you did. Huge upgrade for them. And I think the person this benefits the most is Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins will check down. That's kind of what he's not really special at anything, but he progresses through his reads very, very well. And so he'll check down to that third option. Um, look what he was doing with Chris Thompson. Now you put Dalvin Cook in that role, and he's going to be predominantly a three-down back. Man, I, I think I think this is going to be a huge, huge buy now if you're in Dynasty. Go get Dalvin Cook. No, I agree, and especially with uh, – and Austin, don't be bitter about this, but I was with you with Cousins on going to San Francisco until Garoppolo went there. Right. <laughs> Austin's reaction there. But <laughs> – <laughs> But no, I was huge on that. And just because of their relationship that they had in Washington. And, and I do agree with you on Dalvin Cook. Uh, but with Cousins being in Minnesota, uh, I, I agree with the Dalvin Cook portion of it because, you know, he, he does check down a lot to his running backs underneath. I think another guy that's going to benefit a lot because of where uh, Adam Thielen 
progresses is mainly underneath and, you know, big play opportunities on third down. Thielen's another guy that's going to have some upside with Cousins. Guys like Kyle Rudolph and Stephon Diggs will benefit in the red zone. But Delvin Cook, yes, Adam Thielen gets an uptick. And Kirk Cousins, if you look at what he's done uh, in Washington, somewhat under the radar, uh, I expect a little bit of an upgrade with him being in Minnesota and the weapons that he'll have there. Yeah. So based on what you guys said, here's a quick clip from this past week's pod where they're talking about Kirk Cousins going to Minnesota. Let's get started with the, the big domino. Kirk Cousins came from the Redskins. He signed with the Minnesota Vikings, three-year, $84 million contract, is the only quarterback with 4,000 yards, 25-plus touchdowns, with a 90-plus QB rating in each of the last three seasons. Don't sleep on Kirk Cousins. He was a fourth-best quarterback. I like this for the Vikings. It definitely is an upgrade from any quarterback that they had previously. The greatest impact on this offense is going to be one, I think it's going to help Delvin Cook out a lot because I think Kirk Cousins can manage the offense well enough to get um, Delvin Cook good looks. But beyond that, I think Kyle Rudolph is going to get the biggest bump in this offense. Um, because I think it's a higher, a slightly higher level of quarterback. I think you're moving to a top, you know, 10-ish, 12-ish quarterback yeah. as opposed to a top 25 quarterback. Sure. So you're, it's definitely an upgrade, but... Again, the style of play is a little bit different. Kirk Cousins kind of uh, short to intermediate passes. There isn't a lot of risky passes going on with him. Okay. Kirk Cousins is a top six, seven. Top six quarterback. Yeah. That's his. Uh, he's probably going to be inside my top six, yep. In any order, in top four will be Wilson, Rodgers, Wentz, Brady, then following closely... That group, the next group is Cam and Cousins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it sounds like everyone is on the same sheet of music out here at East Sleep Fantasy. So real quick, anything we want to talk about Drew Brees, I think it's pretty basic. He's going back. He's staying where he's at. He's going to do what he needs to do. And yeah, he didn't his get fantasy that extra numbers. Tool. Yeah, his fantasy numbers definitely took a dip. And I think that's going to kind of continue. Um, not that he won't be a startable option, but he's not going to be that top five guy that he's been his entire career. He's getting pretty old and they're switching much more to a run heavy offense, which has benefited him greatly. Yeah. You just talked. I was going to hit there is the fact that if you look at, uh, with Ingram and Kamara and what they did last year and the involvement with Drew Brees. And I mean, I mean, realistically, Michael Thomas is his biggest target there. Right. And, you know, if they wanted to continue with the passing game, adding to uh, Thomas and what Kamara was able to provide, I think they would have taken a bigger shot at Jimmy Graham. But since they didn't, I think they're going to stay more towards that young backfield and, and let Breeze manage the offense and just go on from there and continue with the success that they had last season. That's kind of crazy because I was kind of predicting, you know, from my thoughts, Kamara could have David Johnson numbers from a couple of years ago. So you guys don't see that happening with uh, Drew Brees coming back and Kamara coming back? I think they don't have good numbers. The difference is just volume. Um, the thing that made Kamara so special is that he was doing so much on so few carries. And that's why you had those two top 10 running backs fantasy-wise in, in the same backfield. So I don't think that the numbers will be anywhere near that just because he doesn't get the touches. But again, huge touchdown guy and huge reception guy. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, Kamara's upside is, is mainly resides in PPR formats. You know, he'll still bring you something in, in standard formats, but, um, you know, Mark Ingram, he, he's more of a thumper than Kamara is, and that's really where his value comes in uh, when it comes to being between the tackles. You know, they can run them both, even in the red zone, they can run them both in there. So, you know, I... I think you're looking at similar production with both of them last year, but now that everybody has game film on Kamara, you could potentially in standard formats see a downtick with him. Yeah, I mean, he only had 120 rushes last year. Um, I think that number might go up a little bit, but still it's going to be below 150. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I said, this year I'm kind of high on Kamara, so I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that Drew Brees really uh, – he brings it this I mean, like I said, it was a two year contract. They signed him for thirty or fifty million for two years. That's not too bad. So No, he took a team friendly deal. Um he could have made more money somewhere else. He's trying to win. Agreed. Oh, I agree. I definitely agree. So the next character I want to talk about is Case Keenum. Let's start with Case Keenum, leaving the Vikings, right. going to the Broncos for a, mm-hmm. a two year deal. Uh, where's Case Keenum going to end up next year as far as fantasy relevance? And is my immediate thought was, I'll just get this out. He's not going to do a lot of favors for those wide receivers. I don't know. How. Disagree. Okay. Tell me why. Disagree. I think it doesn't matter for his fantasy value. I think he's fine. It's whatever. But I think he's proven to me he can work really well in a in a system with two premier wide receivers. And that's, I know, I know they're both passing that 30-year-old age and whatever, but I think this is the best situation that Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders will have had in a few years since before since the final year of Peyton Manning. I think this is going to be the best quarterback situation. And it's not a huge upgrade, right? But I think it's more consistency than what you've seen out of Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch and, and Brock Osweiler. And so I I'm pretty happy for the purposes of the what I'm going to get out of those two wide receivers this year in in Denver. So I'm going to throw out something real quick that kind of I think made Case Keenum productive last season. So Case Keenum was only sacked 22 times. I've always thought highly of the Minnesota offensive line. This season going in, they're only ranked right now, they're only ranked 22. And Denver is right behind him with 23. But here's the problem. Trevor Simeon was sacked 33 times. So uh, when it comes to stats and stuff like that, that, that's a big deal. I don't think Case Keenum is going to have nowhere near the season that he had. It doesn't matter who he's throwing it to. You know, those two wide receivers, I don't think they're going to do as well as everyone is hoping or they're going to have a productive season like they're expecting there in Denver. But remember, this is March, what, day after St. Paddy's Day. You know, everything can change. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a potential to see a little more progression with uh, uh, Sanders and uh, Thomas there. And based on the stats that you just put out there, in a way that kind of speaks more for the capabilities of Case Keenum. Right. So now, granted, he had a stronger running game uh, over there in Minnesota than he will have as of now, as of this date, than he will have in Denver. But, you know, for, for a guy that really hadn't had a whole lot of success until last year, um, they're, they're definitely. And, and I heard Brito touch on it uh, 
or earlier this week, is that Denver will have more consistency there at the quarterback position. So, you know, I, I'm not expecting a ton of huge uh, progression with Thomas and Sanders, but I would expect more than what they had last year. Yeah, I think that's well said. I mean, if you look at what Demarius Thomas, he was just short of having five straight years of over a thousand yards receiving and Keenum lets his players play. Uh, He'll get the ball out there and give them some opportunities. He just doesn't create. And so, you know, I don't mind holding on to Demarius Thomas, but Outside of that, I don't. I hate that team as far as fantasy is concerned. Even Emmanuel Sanders, who he's going to have a couple big games, but I want consistency. So Demarius Thomas is kind of a buy low in uh, dynasty leagues for me right now. But uh, you can get him so cheap. So that that's the main reason why I say it is he, he'll exceed his value. You could get them both cheap, and realistically, they could possibly both uh, exceed their value. But if you're going to buy them low in dynasty leagues. Don't plan on hanging on to them way too long. I can tell you that right. much right now. Okay, so Teddy Bridgewater is a Jet now. Him and Josh McCowan are both the QBs for there. I still see Josh McCowan being the starter. Josh McCowan, I used him a lot last year. It kind of surprised some uh, fantasy teams when I used Robbie Anderson with Josh McCowan, and it kind of helped me put me through a couple of weeks. Uh, anything you guys want to talk about here? The Jets QB situation? Well, it's not over. It's not done. Uh, with their huge trade up that they just did, uh, that changes everything, right? And so what's going to happen now is they jump up to number three. They give up three second round picks um, and they're going to get another quarterback. So this draft room, the quarterback room there is not over. I, I really think it's going to be Baker Mayfield personally or whichever one of the top three fall out of whether Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield. That's just my opinion there. But, man, that's a that's a weird, again, another weird fantasy team that not necessarily you want to stay away from. You just have no clue what you're getting. But I do agree with you that McCown's going to be the starter to start the year. That's going to happen. And Teddy can beat him out if things go bad. But it seems like they're going to draft a quarterback and just sit him for a year. You know, I, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a quarterback battle. And... When, they, when that trade initially happened, I was thinking Saquon Barkley, and here's why. Is that the Jets, like the Browns have been, uh, have not made the strongest choices. Uh, it's a glaring holes that they have in their offense, and they clearly have both at the quarterback and running back situation, right? So they very well could take one of those guys at the quarterback position, but I would not doubt the fact that they could potentially take Barkley. That's if he makes it past the Giants. I think just looking at what they're paying everyone right now, I was actually pretty surprised. They're giving Teddy Bridgewater five more million than they are giving Josh McCown. I know he's not proven, but he wasn't awful. You know, he was able to carry the team. He was a, definitely a, a game manager. And we haven't seen Teddy Bridgewater in a couple of years, you know, exactly like uh, Dale and Burrito talked about this week is, you know, I got it. He, he could have a, he could be a dual threat. He, you know, Burrito touched that. He's not an outside of the pocket type of guy, but I still, I don't see why you would pay someone coming in to prove it more than the starting quarterback. Well, Teddy Bridgewater though. I mean, in that situation there, I mean, yeah, you know, I used McCown as well. 
as, as a streaming option. Uh, a lot of the, well, not a lot of the weeks, but through the bye weeks last last year. And Teddy Bridgewater, to me, it, it has always been a game manager. And, and it's really hard to say at the NFL level, simply because we got such a small sample sizing. And, you know, any young quarterback, rookies, second year, you know, the, if, if they can, they're going to rely on the run game and on the defense and, and let them adapt and get the playbook and the offense and everything, the whole scheme of everything uh, under their belt before they really turn them loose. So it's really hard to say what you're going to get out of Teddy Bridgewater. So the fact that him and McCown are, are on a one-year deal, you know, maybe they do. They're saying, hey, we have a guy here and we have a veteran. Let's take an unquestioned shot at a young running back. And if Teddy Bridgewater pans out, you know, that, that, that would have been a gamble worth taking. So it's really hard to say what the brass in New York's thinking right now. It was, it was just, you have so many holes and you have a horrible offensive line. You, I, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get it. I don't <laughs> think they're going to take a quarterback. So if they you take a quarterback, so? no, I don't think I, I agree. I think they might take a running back, but I agree they're going to probably fill a lot of those holes, those glaring holes right there. But I, I can't see taking a quarterback when you just paid, what, $25 million for one year for two yeah. quarterbacks. It's just, I don't know. I feel like we're talking about the Minnesota Vikings from last season, you know. But that's tw- <laughs> that's $25 million over one year, you know what I mean? So it, it, it's really hard to say because any rookie you're drafting in the top five, you know, you're looking at, you know, four years with a club option, you know, for a fifth. So one year at 25 million for a couple quarterbacks, you know, that, that, that's a drop in the bucket. So it's really hard to say what's going to happen. All right, fellas, I'm going to read off a couple more free agent signings to stop me whenever you want to talk about a kid. So the next kid we got on the list is Sam Bradford, Chase Daniels going to the bears. (laughs) We know, we, we know Dale loves Chase Daniel. I don't, it doesn't, I, I just don't make, doesn't make sense. Like the bears were <laughs> on a wave and then they're like, sign this kid. And I'm like, okay. Well, you know what though, in all honesty, and I just want to throw this out there cause you know, Brito gave it to Dale pretty hard about Chase Daniel. <laughs> so just for, just for kicks, I wanted to throw this in there. Chase Daniel as a backup quarterback really has not done terrible uh statistically and as far as a contract goes so there must be something there that intrigues teams for him to be a backup quarterback i mean during his days in missouri just to give you some numbers his sophomore junior senior year right he went 63 and a half 68.2 72.9 that was his completion percentage and his touchdown his touchdown to interception ratio was three to one. So there, there must be something there with him. And I mean, his sophomore year, he threw for 3,500 yards and he threw for over 4,000 in his junior and senior year. So he was a baller, man. Yeah. In Missouri. Absolutely. He was. So Are you guys kidding me? I, he was I just, awesome in college. In I college, just read some great. stats. <laughs> yeah. How long ago was he in college though? 2008. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> What's crazy is. He has he, only thrown. He was only completed too. fifty-one passes in his career. Yeah, fifty-one yeah. in his. Yeah. and he has made over fourteen million dollars. <laughs> You're not going to sell me on taking this. You want to know what? 
I am I'm behind Dale as a career backup quarterback on this one. Just like the kid at the, the Eagles. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes, right? If I'm a kicker yeah. in the NFL making a couple million dollars, I'm a happy guy. There you no, go. Who's the smarter one, right? <laughs> yeah, who is smart? He's not getting hurt every day, right? Right, and he's making money doing it. Yep, you're absolutely. Yeah, I I got def. I can't I can't say you're wrong. I can't say you're wrong there. <laughs> so after Chase Daniels, we got Ryan Fitzpatrick staying with Tampa Bay. You know, a career backup quarterback again. Alex Smith. Uh, you know, the only thing that you know, and, and Clayton has done a great job tracking the free agents. He he really has. He's done a yeah. great job tracking that. And, you know, we talked about this earlier in, in, uh, in the ESF writing group is that he's had the longest term contract out of all these free agents. Out of all the people, out of all the guys that have signed, Alex Smith at four years, how has somebody at that stage in his career signed the longest term for four years? I mean, that, that just kind of... That kind of tells me that the owners are on top of how they can circumvent the CBA when it comes to guaranteed contracts in the NFL. Yeah, I think I think you're exactly right. Uh, they're planning it out, and it's going to be a mess. We've got three more years of football, and then it's going to be just – I hope it doesn't go to a strike, but it's going to be bad. And if you look at Alex Smith, he's going to be 34 years old when the season starts. So you're signing him to a four-year deal. Uh, so you're saying he's going to be playing whenever he's 38, which his arm strength isn't great. So you don't have to worry about that going down because it's already pretty bad. But I don't know. I love Alex Smith, man. I, I, I feel like he's he's been awesome. But he's been great everywhere he's been. He just He's just not a Super Bowl caliber player. He's just – he's a role player. Yeah, I, I think, you know – for him, I believe that it's not his fault where the bar was set. You yeah. know, a Alex Smith is more or less Joe Flacco type player. You know, just it. I, I really don't think it's his fault where the bar was set as far as his career needed to project to. Man, he has only had three years of over 20 touchdown passes. Fantasy wise, I mean his his numbers are going to be way down compared to where they were this year. There's no way he's going to be able to put up numbers like he did last year. In a redraft league, he he was a part of a team that I went to the Super Bowl with last year. Yeah, last year. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is Alex Smith right now. He was your he was your number three QB for fantasy football. So I don't understand how you're going to a in my opinion, maybe a better system because you never know what Andy Reid's going to call when it comes to offensive plays. But who's he throwing to? Who is he throwing to? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, they're not throwing really to anybody. I mean, that that roster is just, oh, it, it's bad, man. I, I'm, I really think the Redskins are going to be trash this year. I, I really do. Yeah, it is. It's going to be an absolute dumpster fire. I mean, the, the guy that I had the most hopes on in uh, that receiving core over there was Jamison Crowder uh, based on what he did two years ago. I mean, I thought that guy was the coming out to be the next Jarvis Landry. Uh, but, it, it, you know, it, it is. It's, it's going to be a dumpster fire there. It, it's hard to say whether Chris Thompson's going to come back and be the same guy. 
Now, that's the one guy that I do think will do well because Alex Smith checks down so much. So if there's well, anybody's you know yeah. fantasy relevance that is maintained or takes his, uh, take up, I think it's Chris Thompson. But everything else, yeah, Josh Doxson, Jameson Crowder, they just signed Richardson from Seattle, which uh, I'm not a big fan there. So and then overpaid. Reed's always hurt. Yeah, so overpaid. And so, I don't know, this... It's a bad team. <laughs> you know, one, one guy, one guy that I like as a dark horse in that offense is Samaj P. Ryan. Okay, a dark horse. I mean, dark, dark, dark horse. But I, th- I think, I think he could really, I think he could really overcome uh, the role that uh, Rob Kelly was providing, and could potentially allow them to use because he's not a terrible receiving back. So they could potentially allow uh, Washington to use Chris Thompson more, as more of like a scat back so they could flank him out in situations. I mean, if you picture, you know, especially if Jordan Reed's not on the field, which is there's a good percentage that that'll happen. Um, <laughs> but could you imagine flanking out uh, Chris Thompson with his route running skills and his hands opposite of Jamison Crowder and then, you know, Josh Doxson on the outside, and then you have Pete Ryan in the backfield. I mean, these are all hypothetical, but, you know, if the stars align, you know, situations like that could be beneficial. But, you know, the, what I tell everybody in the fantasy world is you can never really tell how players are going to or what they're what they're going to be uh, until you're about four to six weeks into the season because, you know, a lot of things in the NFL – you know, the game to game, the first couple drives are scripted. You're looking at the first couple weeks, a lot of things are scripted and a lot of game film comes out. So you never really know what players are going to be until after that window. Dude, you That's talk what, so much. I, I agree, couldn't man. remember what I was going to say. About <laughs> it's good stuff, man. I like it. Yeah, I was, I'm blown away. All right. Next couple QBs. We got the tool man, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, went from Buffalo to Cleveland. I mean, I'm, I'm I, I think his numbers are going to be good. Yeah, um, I do. I, I I really do. If you look at, you know, Deshaun Kaiser was able to put up quite a few top five fantasy games last year in that system, and they've only and gotten better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even with all those interceptions, but the idea is there is a supporting cast there that will be able to move the ball. Uh, Joe Thomas leaving hurts obviously, but and again, they're going to be behind in a lot of games and playing catch up. So I, I, uh, I'm fine with Tyrod Taylor and he's probably going to be one of those quarterbacks that I target because I always wait on quarterback in redraft leagues always. And I'll I'll pick somebody up like him, even though I know he won't start the whole year because they're going to get a rookie quarterback that they're going to groom hopefully. But no, I I actually like Tyrod. I like him too. And, and honestly, uh, I, I'm going to attack him the same way I did a couple of years ago is that I'm going to, Take him as a guy that I'm planning on to be a solid number two quarterback. And if he turns out to be a number one, he turns out to num- to be the number one. And I really expected that out of him a couple years ago in Buffalo with Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins. But, you know, obviously, apparently that didn't pan out. But he has so much ahead of him in Cleveland. And it's really kind of scary to say that because it is Cleveland. But he, he does have a lot ahead of, ahead of him, probably the most talent he's had, really had uh, in his professional career. So I, I would not be scared to draft him as a number two quarterback. I would not be scared to plug him in your lineup in super flex leagues, two quarterback leagues. 
you know, he he's going to be fantasy relevant this year. And then the kid replacing the tool man, Tyrod Taylor, you got AJ McCarron taking over the lead QB there at the bills. Man, that yeah, they're they're going to get a quarterback. They're, yeah. they're trying to trade up for one. The problem is if if you have three quarterbacks going in the top three picks, <laughs> which is what I think is going to happen, are you going to take somebody like Josh Allen? That's a huge project. Ugh, that scares me. Yeah, it, it it's it's really hard to say, and I really can't throw the towel in on McCarron. Um, we really need to see what's going to happen with him. He, he wasn't terrible in college. Uh, you know, he, he sat behind uh, Dalton there in Cincinnati, not saying that that's a, a pro at all uh, for him. But, you know, he, he got to soak in the NFL game, right? So, and he never really saw the game speed at that level. Uh, but he did sit in a pro-style offense uh, with Nick Saban. So it, it's really hard to say what you're going to get out of him. And, and if they are able to move up, in the top five uh, to grab a quarterback. That's just going to make things a little more interesting, but that's def. If that does happen, that's definitely something that you, you will need to watch. Hey, so fellas, you're not going to believe this, but TAMU is beating the university of North Carolina right now, 42 to 28. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's going to ruin some brackets right there. Wow. All right. Real quick. The last QB, I was go blue. Chad Henney is now going to be the backup for the Kansas City Chiefs. That actually surprised the heck out of me. So he's still in the NFL. What exactly? What? So what? What's going on here? <laughs> All right, just like we did QBs, man. I'm going to name off some running backs. You just stop me when we want to start talking about a few. Oh, well, I'm kind of shocked because I didn't care for him last year. He did all right. Rex Burkhead is going to stay with the Pats. One of the seven-headed running backs we got over there. So Oof. no fantasy relevance, in my opinion, right now as of March. So now every year I always take the lowest rated New England running back last. That's a great. Um, attack, I don't care who John. they are, and I know that somebody's going to be. I'm sorry, what? I said no. That's a great attack because it's how it I've works. never thought of that, but no, it's not true. Because Deion Lewis was not the lowest rating running back last season. Yeah, Rex Burkhead was. Uh, was he no, really? No, Rex Burkhead wasn't. It was um, It was James White was first. Yeah, James White no, up there and no. Mike Gillisley. Yeah, Gillisley um, was the last rated. I thought Dion was. I thought it went I thought it was White, Burkhead, Gillisley, and then Dion because yeah, you know, he came back last year with because of his knee injury, but I thought he was still the low man on the totem pole. Yeah, cuz it was after the be Super wrong. Bowl and everybody yep. thought James White was going to take over. Yep. And I mean, that was nuts. And so you know what Belichick's going to do. He's going to mess up fantasy everything, but everybody gets a chance. I mean, if you remember, Gillisley came in and had that three-touchdown game to start the year against the Chiefs. Uh, I traded him for a first-round pick in one of my dynasty leagues right nice. after that, uh, which was awesome. Um, but, yeah, you just got to gotta ride the wave, but I always take the lowest-rated running back there. Oh, man, Bill, Belichick. Belichick hanging up on uh, some hopes and dreams in the fantasy world right there. We'll we'll talk about Brito's frust- <laughs> well, frustrations right now, a little bit later. As a Pats fan last season, I was hot. I already knew Deion Lewis was going to be the man. James White, I knew he had the injury coming out of the, the end of season 2016. So I knew he was going to be down and out for a little bit. But I was definitely not high in Gillisley. 
and I knew Rex Burkhead for some reason he he did very well in my opinion but like I said I'm just you know I'm just so it makes me ill sometimes to see so many running backs because you know you always want to root for your team when it comes to fantasy football and it's so hard to pick a running back and you're like oh you know but Dean Lewis kind of made it easy for us last season moving on we got Isaiah Crowell who's now a Jets <laughs> you got Ugh. Carlos Hyde who's a Brown 49ers hey, fans, I, anything? I, I like this if they don't get a stud running back, which they probably will do at some point, whether first or second round. Um, ideally, I think they should go, the Browns should go QB at one and Saquon at four. But if they do that, then obviously Carlos Hyde's value is non-existent. So, But honestly, John, uh, do they roll the dice on that? And if they do, they lose out at, on Saquon at four. Okay, Let's just say hypothetically. Because they sign Hyde, and this might be their plan. They sign Hyde. They're they've already been talking extension with Duke. Okay, they've already brought in Tyrod Taylor. So if they take their quarterback of the future at one, and let's just say that the Giants or the Jets, with their goofy front offices, take Saquon, <laughs> do they trade out of four? and take Bradley Chubb that can help them on the defensive side of the ball. So the Carlos Hyde signing to me is a valuable addition because it allows them to do what they, what I'm perceiving to be anyways, in my opinion, to do what they really want to do with that first pick. And that's take their franchise quarterback because Saquon Barkley, as we discussed last week is without a doubt, Without a doubt, all he did at the combine is solidify everything that he did, and he's without a doubt probably the best talent in the draft. But there's some good quarterbacks there, and how do you yeah. pass out on that when you're in the situation that the Browns are in? Right. Well said. Yeah. And another thing, they have three second round picks, so yeah. just even if they don't get Saquon, they could get somebody like Geis or Michelle or Nick Chubb. Like, there's so many other guys that if they spend a second round pick, Ronald on Jones too, Ronald Jones, that they're going to have to to get them some playing time. So uh, this is, I, I'm, I'm a little wor- worried about Carlos Hyde. I traded him yesterday <laughs> uh, for Jarek McKinnon, just so I could have my Niners running back in my dynasty league. That's so, not a terrible trade. I'll take it. Yeah. I'm not as high on McKinnon as you guys. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So Deion Lewis went from the Pats to the Titans. I actually like this. I do. Yeah, completely I like this. killed. Oh, sorry, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say completely killed all Derrick Henry hype forever. No, I don't. I disagree. I think this helps Derrick Henry because yeah. now you got Derrick Henry as your what I always call your your north or upfield run running back. You know, uh, Dean Lewis was the most elusive running back last season, so he's going to be your dump off. I think this opened up opportunity for if Derrick Henry and Dean Lewis are on the field at the same time. I, I think this makes it quite easy to make Deion Lewis like a very relevant running back next season. Hmm. I think this allows Marcus Mariota to do what market. Oh, you know, that quarterback, that one guy, I think. Yeah. He is the quarterback (laughs) over there. Potentially. He is. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure. No, he's he's coming back off a leg injury. I didn't touch him last season because of the leg injury. Thank you. Thank you. But he, but he, but But he does play quarterback. I think this season Mariota <laughs> comes back. So, no, I think it really allows him to do uh, a lot of things re- realistically because 
Um, I think we saw uh, at the end of the season and in the postseason there, I, I think we saw something out of Corey Davis. So there, there could be a spark there that could progress uh, through the offseason here and through the preseason and whatnot. So you have him. Delaney Walker's been a solid all the way through. And then you ha- there's really nothing receiving-wise outside of that. I mean, Rashard Matthews is solid. Okay, he he's he's a good downfield guy. He could take the top off the defense, right? But if you have, I mean, roles are reversed. Okay, Derrick Henry to me, he's still a good receiving back. He's reasonably elusive for a big guy. Okay, now if you look at the combination of him and Demarco Murray, roles are reversed. Derrick Henry and I think even Brito was along these lines. Derrick Henry is now Demarco Murray. Deion Lewis is now Derrick Henry, right? So uh, Derrick Henry is without a doubt the guy that's going to be 20 yards and in, and they're going to be mixed in between the 20s. And there are two guys, and, and this is just the way the NFL is going and the way teams have been going. And Austin, you even touched on this last week, I believe, is that teams are looking for two running backs. So when you have different dynamics like that, you can have them on the field at the same time and basically put defenses in a position as to what the hell do I do with this? Right. Well said. Yeah, well said. I definitely want to touch on Jerick McKinnon and then we'll just rattle off the last ones. But Jerick McKinnon is now, guess what, a 49er. So just like you said, John, you traded up to make sure you have someone to root for. So what are your thoughts on Jerick McKinnon now as a 49er? Well, I absolutely love it because of Shanahan's system. Um, you look at what he can do with running backs and mismatches and all that kind of stuff. So I love it as far as receptions and PPR formats. Absolutely love it. However, he's not the best runner between the tackles and falls down very easily upon contact. Uh, as I went back and broke down all of his game film from last year, which he had a great year. Having said that, uh, there there's definitely some weakness uh, spots in his game. So excited about it because he's going to get so many catches. You're talking 70 to 80 catches probably out of the backfield um, if he's going to be the number one guy, which obviously he will be depending on who they draft. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, he, he was definitely brought in uh, based on the contract. He was, he was brought in to be the number one guy. And in a split backfield uh, last year, I believe he had just over 50 receptions. Okay, now with that situation at hand, Jarek McKinnon more in PPR has the value, I think, than it's standard. Now, it's really hard to say what they're going to do in free agency and in the draft. And we all know that Matt Breida is a scat back, so he's kind of like a J.D. McKissick type guy. But we really don't know too much about Joe Williams. And Williams is a Shanahan favorite. Uh, he really did like him in the draft last year. But the biggest thing I will say about McKinnon in this situation, and John, correct me if I'm wrong, because you might be more familiar with how the contract breaks down, is that the team has club options after the first year. So basically the way that I see it is that San Francisco really has a one-year, I think it's like $11.7 million dollars. Right. So yeah, they can that, choose to exactly cut ties correct. with him. Right. So there might be a little more motivation on the side of McKinnon, which in standard formats might make him a top 15 running back. And in PPR, more of like a top 
10 or 12. So, I, you know, there could be more motivation on the side of McKinnon than San Francisco because realistically, the way the contract was drawn up, it's 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 basically a one-year deal. Oh, it's, it's so front-loaded, it's insane. And again, as you said, they can get out of it. So, for example, if they, let's say he plays out this year and they say, you know what? We're done. We're going to move on. We would only owe him $1.5 million for the next three years. Like, that's it. So that's a 500000 uh cap hit three years in a row, and that's about it. So this is – everybody gets upset because they're going to throw the numbers up on NFL Network and say, oh, wow, they're paying him this much money, and now he's the number seven highest paid running back, so on, so all these different numbers. It doesn't matter. Because the way that it's structured financially is all super top heavy because we had so much cap room and it gives us options later on. We did the same thing with Sherman. Um, We're doing the same thing with all of our contracts besides our center. That was a long-term deal. But um, it's very, very smart the way that they are doing it. Yeah, no, I I agree. And and realistically, if McKinnon pans out and, and he tends to be that guy that, you know, the con- general consensus doesn't think that he's going to be. His contract can be up to almost thirty-seven million, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. All right, fellas. Before we move on, I do want to definitely talk about a couple wide receivers. I know we're we are uh, we've been long-winded, but there's some points I want to take for as far as last week. But Hey, real quick, thoughts on Trey Burton and A-Rob at Chicago? I think this is going to be a great thing in Chicago with Trubisky. So what do you guys think? I think this gives uh, Trubisky and Nagy um, great options. And, and and I want to stand strong on the fact of uh, Howard and Cohen being there. But, you know, A-Rob and Trey Burton uh, bring great options uh, to that offense and to Trubisky and, you know, the fact that uh, Cameron Meredith – is still there. Uh, he signed a one-year deal, so he'll generally be opposite of uh, of A-Rob there. I, I think that gives them a lot of options, and I think this is a great signing. I think these are big moves by Chicago, moves in the right direction, and it, it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, and Taylor Gabriel there too, the little shifty oh, guy yeah, from absolutely. Atlanta. I mean, yeah, I, I love the, their strategy. I'm not a big Trubisky fan uh, coming out of college. I didn't grade him very high. But I absolutely love what they're doing, and I think we'll see what happens. But I, they're putting him in a position to succeed, and we'll see what we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting NFC North situation this season. It, I think if Chicago is in in any other different conference, we would probably think a little bit high highly of them. But the fact that they're in an NFC North against going against Green Bay or Minnesota this season, even Detroit. It's just it's almost like the NFC West. You never know who's gonna come out ahead. Right. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I would have loved to see A Rob and Burton go to Green Bay. You put Robinson opposite of Adams. If Green Bay kept Jordy, put Jordy in the slot and Burton at the tight end, my lord. They wouldn't even need a defense. They just play shootout. So a trade that I didn't really like this week is Jordy Nelson and Doug Martin going to Oakland. I'm shocked. At this trade, you know, I like Jordy, but, you know, being a Doug Martin Oden last season, I'm just it's like C.J. Anderson. I don't think I'll ever be a high on that running back ever again. And they came out today and even said Marshawn's going to be the starter. Um, So he got a one million dollar roster bonus today. And so like he's staying and they've already come out and said he's going to be the starter. So 
Doug Martin is merely he's going to be the backup running back that will come in and fantasy value is almost non-existent. Yeah, I don't see any fantasy or dynasty value here. I mean, honestly, I think you're going to see the same thing out of Martin and Jordy that you saw last year. I mean, Jordy, I hate to say it. I love the guy. I love what he's done with his career. But I don't think you're going to see what you saw out of Jordy Nelson um, away from Aaron Rodgers. They yeah, had well said. An, They had an unexplainable chemistry. Uh, that back shoulder throw just... Everything in general uh, about those two, you're not going to find that with Jordy and Derek Carr. You're really not. I mean, if, if there was any sort of chemistry with a quarterback to wide receiver, you would have already seen it with Carr to Amari Cooper at this point, and even Crabtree. And Crabtree has had success there in Oakland, but I don't think you're going to see Jordy have the success that, or you're not going to see Jordy have this the, the success that Crabtree did in Oakland. Yeah, I think wide receiver three, like range, um, is about as good at flex play. That's about yeah, as that's best where as I'm it's going to get. Absolutely, John. I do not disagree with that whatsoever. Hey, so the last trade we'll talk about this week, the one I, I, I'd really do like, and it's something I'm definitely going to keep an eye on, is is Jacksonville re-signed Marquise Lee. They brought in uh, Moncrief, signed Niles Paul, which eh, doesn't do anything for me, but they brought in ASJ as well out of the New York Jets. Now, I really do see a lot of chemistry, and I think this will definitely help that team go farther than what they did this season. Man, they got they have six number two wide receivers, and so which seems to work for them. Absolutely love the signing of the guard that they brought in, uh, Norwell. I thought that was awesome. But, man, fantasy-wise, everybody would jump on. So what happened last year is D.D. Westbrook would have a great game. And everybody's like, oh, must add, must add, must add. And then Keelan Cole would have a great game. Then Marquise Lee would have a great game. And so I think it's going to be a lot of that where it just bounces around. It's going to be kind of hard to predict. And Blake Bortles, I I don't – he had some fantasy value last year, but I think it's going to go down considerably because I think they're just going to keep – they're building it to run the ball even more than they did last year, which is obviously saying a lot. Yeah, you know – their their uh, their entire uh, scheme of everything is built around the run of the defense, and with what Blake Portals has to offer, that's not a bad road. However, if Marquise Lee stays on the field, I think that he's going to be the guy to own. You know, Dede Westbrook, Keelan Cole, uh, you know Dante Moncrief. I I don't think that's a terrible receiving core, and the guy to me that has the only wide receiver one upside, and it's it's. It's on the low end. Uh, I'm not shooting for the moon here. It's it's low end wide receiver one upside is Marquise Lee. And I think his biggest problem has been just staying on the field. And then he was able to play a substantial lot of games last year. And uh, the, what him and uh, Bortles were able to bring to the table at times uh, says volumes of the chemistry that they have. So if you're going to own anybody as a wide receiver one on a low end passing team I'm not going to say low end team because obviously Jacksonville was not but a low end passing team Marquise Lee's probably the guy to own yeah I agree with that alright fellas that ends our talk about free agency this week believe me there's plenty out there definitely check out what Clayton is posting up on Twitter or follow Eastley Fantasy on Twitter because we have every signing of free agency 
and as well as who's being re-signed with what team. So once again, I want to give out a shout out to Clayton. Uh, let's move on to the combine. John, last week we talked about running backs. Uh, you two crushed it. Let's move on to wide receivers this week. Man, so uh, wide receivers, absolutely. This They've been getting kind of crushed uh, by draft Twitter, talking about how weak of a draft class this is, so on and so forth. But I don't think it's as weak as people are making it out to be. There's not the elite uh, wide receiver. We're not going to have three wide receivers go in the top 10 like we did last year. And to be frank, I don't think those three guys should have went the top 10 last year. But <laughs> I think that we've got a lot of guys that can go in the back end of round one and a lot in round two. Um, so, for example, I, just off my draft grades right now, I have six uh, round two grades on wide receivers and three first round grades. So I've got nine guys that I, I that I graded in the first two rounds. Uh, you, you know, I, I agree. I think there's more talent in in this draft than what everybody perceives as you already touched on. I, I, and it's not so much like, you know, you're talking about home run guys. It's it's the value that guys can bring to teams that are looking for specific wide receivers. So there is a lot of specific talent out there as opposed to overall talent. And to me, uh, that translates into uh, value in the draft class. Yeah, and, and somebody's going to jump up. There's going to be wide, uh, at least one or two wide receivers going the first round of the draft, and it's always dependent upon where they where they go for fantasy value because different teams. You go to Jacksonville, you're kind of screwed, so on and so forth. But my number one player overall, and it's not even close for me. I absolutely love this kid, and that's Cortland Sutton out of SMU. A lot of people have him in the top five. He's he's a bigger bodied. Um, wide receiver that is beyond athletic. Now, his 40 time wasn't the best ever. Yeah, he ran a 4-5-4-40, but everything else is off the charts amazing. Uh, His three cone, his 60 shuttle, his bench press, just everything is that. And this kid's so athletic, he made SMU's basketball team when Larry Brown was there as a freshman and got in a few games, but... And he's new at the wide receiver position. He was recruited as a safety and made the switch after his freshman year. So he's still very, very raw, but he is just an absolute competitor. Never wants to go out of bounds. Uh, he got a couple flags for late hits. Like, I mean, he is a fighter. He, he reminds me of Heinz Ward, but with A.J. Green's body, if that makes any sense. No, it, it does make sense. And... You know, my biggest thing with Cortland Sutton, and I like what he has to bring to the table, my struggle with him is, you know, against faster play. You know, if if you look at cornerbacks that squat on routes and, you know, consistently contest catches, uh, I think that's where he can struggle unless he does adapt to that. I, I mean, he, he does have all the makings to be legit. He really does, but... You know, against some of those top grades, and he really won't scare defenses when it comes to catch and run. So, there, there. In, in my mind, there's no doubt that he's going to be a red zone target. Uh, but there's still some things that he needs to prove out, uh, in my opinion. And I really hope he does because if he does, he he could be extremely scary. But you know, I'm not entirely as high on him uh, with with those situations at hand at, at the NFL level with a faster game speed. Okay, so who's who would you who's your number one receiver? Uh, my number one receiver, 
you know, I, I would have to say would be probably Calvin Ridley. You know, he has he brings everything to the table. You know, my only problem with him is that before season's over, he will be uh, 24 years old. So, so his age to me, uh, especially for dynasty owners, is his biggest knock. But he's a great route runner, has great hands. Uh, you know, he he can he can create his own space. He can create in, in windows in the zone and whatever the case may be. The guy he just has it all. So if I'm a dynasty owner or a keeper league owner, this is a guy that I would target heavily uh, if you need wide receivers. And, and, and I would say probably get the first three to five years of his career and then trade him uh, while he's on the high side of his, you know, going into the backside of his career while he's still at a high level. Uh, trade him. Make sure you get the value that you can out of him. But, you know, if you're in dire need of a wide receiver, this is a guy that I would really be looking at. It, I, there's a lot to like. Uh, love his breaking in and out of routes. Love his hands for the most part. But man, you talk about combine was awful for him. He ran in the four fours, which was great. But one of the historically le- least, I don't know, less explosive players ever in the history of the combine at the wide receiver position. Uh, his broad jump, everything else was just, I mean, it was abysmal. And if you go back and you watch his film, you can see some of this stuff. He's not physical. He, he doesn't like physicality. And I understand that the quarterback position was awful at Alabama and it was a run-heavy offense. But only two 100-yard games um, his senior year and then only two 100-yard games the year before that. It, if I'm drafting somebody in the first round as a wide receiver, I want a dominating player. And perhaps he can change into that. I just I didn't see it a lot on film. Um, I, I love that he runs routes well. I love how he catches the ball. I love his straight straight uh, line speed. But he's super old. He's as old as um, Sammy Watkins is. And <laughs> Sammy Watkins is on his third team. And so that's going to lower the floor, like you said, a little bit, or lower the ceiling a little bit. But he, I have a second round grade on him, and I, I think he's going to be a great football player. I just very similar to what you said about Cortland Sutton. I don't think he's going to be a scary player. Is that all? Just you know, as far as Sammy Watkins is third team. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. kidding. But like you know, I, I just I just look at uh, I, I look at Kelvin Ridley, and he could be a guy that you know, could just fade into the background and put up some big numbers. Kind of a guy like Marvin Harrison, you know, the, there was nothing, there was no major expectations out of him, but he's a guy that, you know, that can run good routes, get in the open, convert third downs, can take the top off of defense for big plays, you know, taking it to the house. So he's the kind of guy that, that could do what Marvin Harrison did. And again, you know, his age is my biggest knock on him. So get a couple years out of him, dynasty owners, and then trade him away. Yep, well said. Um, another guy that I absolutely love just for fantasy value is Anthony Miller out of Memphis. Um, this wide receiver is so he's so much fun to watch. Uh, he is tough as nails, and he's he's a smaller bodied guy, but he's one of those players that whenever he it doesn't matter where he goes because he can play every single wide receiver position inside outside slot. He's very very shifty, and he is a fighter. Uh, kids just mean, very, very mean. He plays, at, he's a poor man's Antonio Brown is kind of how I'd say. It. I, I don't think he's anywhere near that level. Um, I don't think anybody is, but 
he plays the same way. He plays way bigger than he is, and his routes are awesome. Uh, he stacks the cornerback as well as anybody I've seen. Uh, basically, whenever you let's say you're running a go route and you pass the cornerback, you stack on top of him so that he can't make a play on the ball, and like he could teach a clinic on that. Absolutely love Anthony Miller. He's one of those guys that I'm getting in every single one of my dynasty drafts because people aren't as high on him as I am. He's he's like one of my guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, my, my biggest concern with him is to a point he, he reminds me of a guy that uh, really has stepped up to his hype, and, and that's uh, Sammy Watkins. Now, obviously, they're different uh, based on where they're projected, but um, – you know, a, a guy like Watkins and a guy like Anthony Miller, to me, just looking at their film, uh, their routes to a point are predictable. They're not short route guys. You know, they're short steppers. They they stand straight up before breaking out of a route. Uh, you know, the, their hands are great. Uh, they can take the top off a of defense, but they're pretty one-dimensional. And, and when it comes to uh, when it comes to Anthony Miller, you know, his ball security is an issue too. So. You know, he he really could have some upside. You know, there there are some things that uh, there are some things that are coachable uh, at the NFL level with him, but he just draws a major concern. And guys that have a lot of hype that you know NFL cornerbacks and especially safeties, especially safeties with guys that you know their their, their strength is uh, taking the top off of defense. When your route's predictable, it's it's really hard for me to get excited about guys like that. Yeah, no, I, I get it. But if he goes to a team that can create space for him, whether that's in the slot or whatever and scheme, like if he went to a team like the Rams, for instance, and he played that Sammy Watkins role, whatever, like you can scheme to get this guy open and he will do once the ball's in his hand, it's unreal. Um, I, I don't know. I, I love this kid. He's awesome. Do you have another guy that you were wanting to talk about or that you had on your list? Uh, you know, one of the guys that I have uh, that, that I absolutely love, and he, and to a point, he kind of falls into the Sutton category is Auden Tate. Uh, Auden Tate is is a big target. Uh, this guy runs routes well, and what what I love about him more than anything is whether it's in the red zone, deep ball, short yardage, whatever it is, he's a guy that realizes he's not the quickest in the world, and he knows how to get position, and he knows how to just use his hands. You know, get in, get in there, get against his opposition, and put himself in a situation to catch the ball. And, and that's what I love the most about him. What what he becomes to be uh, remains to be seen. But you know, as far as intangibles and the tools to be a successful wide receiver uh, for a guy that's not projected too high, um, he he's definitely one of my favorites to take in later rounds for dynasty leagues. His film is fun. He hurt himself at the combine, mm-hmm. uh, very yeah, he very did. bad. He, he, he had, did. A, and the thing that was <laughs> kind of good and bad about it was, you know, they line them up based on their last name, and so you had like Cortland Sutton, Equinemis St. Brown out of Notre Dame, Auden Tate. So you had these three big-bodied guys going right after each other for every drill, and it really allowed you to kind of compare. And he was in the bottom of every single thing that they did. Um, broad jump, he's in the lowest 6% 40-yard dash. He ran a 4.68. Um, but when you watch the film, you think, oh, my gosh. I mean, 
the dude's just an all-out baller and deep ball specialist uh worst case scenario is he catches six to seven touchdowns a year i don't think he runs very good routes but he's just very very athletic and imposing at the catch point um so a lot of people calling him very similar to like devin funchess or something along those lines but he could be one of the best uh, end zone targets day one for your team. So uh, fantasy wise, he's got that floor, you know, because he's going to be getting in the end zone. It's what he's done. He really reminds me of Antonio Gates at a wide receiver position. He really oh. does. Yeah. Hell yeah. I can see that completely. Just um, he looks like a power forward out there playing basketball, playing basketball. Yeah. I mean, he, he's he knows how to position himself and use his hands. He's, he's really good at it. Hey, speaking of power forward and basketball, a hey, Texas A&M is blowing out North Carolina 62 to 43. That Love it. Just, that blows my mind. Just blows I'm my not, mind. I'm not a Texas A&M fan, but anytime there's upsets and uh, teams that haven't been historically good beat powerhouses, it's always fun. Hey, so I got a question for both of you guys. And as a, I guess you call it a noob, wanting to get into the dynasty, so what's the difference between combine and pro day for the athletes out there? Do you follow the pro day at all? Yes, you follow the pro days, but obviously they're less important. Um, and the numbers are always better at the pro day. It's a home field advantage. Uh, they usually do it all kinds of different things, whatever. But what it does do is let's say somebody has a huge red flag and you're just like, oh my gosh, what happened? So Orlando Brown, the tackle out of Oklahoma, for example, he gets out and runs one of the slowest 40s in the history of the combine, uh, super, super weak at the bench press. And basically I had a late first to early second round grade on him and it dropped him down. Well, then the Oklahoma Pro Day comes back. He knocks a full 10th off of his 40 and adds another six reps in the bench press. And so what it does do is it allows you to say, you know what, man, maybe he was just having a bad day or it says what it tells me about Orlando Brown. He did not prepare himself for this. Right. And so you could see that the physicality is there. The talent is there, but it's somebody that has a, a very poor work ethic. And so that's going to put that flag there. But it helps you see, well, if I'm a coach and I feel like I can get the most out of my players, this is a guy that I will bump back up to where he was. Yeah, it really just gives them another opportunity to uh, analyze their draft board. You know, you, you go to the combine and you're looking at the physical attributes and what these guys are able to do. And, you know, some of them, you know, well, let's just say for hypothetical purposes, quarterback, they, you know, they might not throw with the combine. Maybe they have uh, an injury, you know, and they don't want to go out there and throw the ball around, or maybe somebody doesn't want to run because their ankle or their hammy's bothering them. You know, those are the combine is more physical attributes. Uh, the pro day, you're looking at, you're assessing why they didn't do certain things at the combine. You're assessing their overall character situation. You know, what is this guy's background? How can I apply this to their physical attributes? You know, what. What in, in this day and the pro day, what is going to make me want to keep them at the spot that I have them at or upgrade them or downgrade them from my draft board and the, the needs that my team has at this point? Great, great. Hey, that definitely makes a big difference as far as trying to understand if I, you know, when it comes to dynasty, I'm always trying to figure out, do I follow the combine more? Do I follow pro day more? Or do I just wait till after the draft? So, hey, all the information you guys are providing has been 
definitely amazing. So I appreciate it. All right, fellas, let's close this down. Hey, John, I'll start with you. Go ahead and leave a minute or two of uh, thoughts and some nuggets for the listeners. Yeah, uh, it's a fun time. And I'll say this. There's already been 12 trades that have taken place for the 2018 NFL season, which is awesome. And I think we're just getting started. And there's going to be a lot more trades, especially with draft picks. And I think you can look out for Buffalo Bills jumping up, so on and so forth. It's going to be a fun time, so stay tuned. And lots of good stuff coming your way for all the Eat Sleep writers. Ben, we've got some guys that are putting out some amazing stuff right now. So if you want to find all this amazing stuff that we're working on, uh, follow me on Twitter, JL underscore Chapman, JL underscore C-H-A-P-M-A-N. All right. Hey, you know, Stephen, what, did you, what you got? You know, I, I just, this has been a very exciting offseason to this point. There, there have been a lot of trades, and, and it, it really puts a lot of things into perspective going into the draft, and there are so many more things that can happen. So it it really doesn't matter what format you're in. You're you're in redraft. You're in keeper. You're in dynasty. There are a lot of things to pay attention to. Um, but what I what I can say is that there there is a ton of talent out there uh, that is moved around via trades, and there is a ton of talent coming in from the draft. So there are a lot of decisions for fantasy and dynasty owners out there to make, and make sure that you're following uh, Eat Sleep Fantasy on facebook twitter instagram uh you can find myself on twitter mainly um at uh you know my twitter handle name there is uh at spec 21 that's s s p a c 21 as i mentioned earlier and you know as austin mentioned earlier as well you know putting out a lot of stuff on the esf uh, instagram page so you know, be in tune man you know all of us are on top of it there's a great team here we're all putting a bunch of stuff together on different platforms and and different perspectives so anything that you're looking for you know we're all working to put it out there so definitely definitely stay in tune as we work closer and closer to the 2018 season all right nation i'm gonna shut this down hey you can follow me at austin 37 on twitter uh i'm on instagram i'm on all that other stuff but i'm just not quite there yet so my I got to say my forte is more uh, daily fantasy. So I promise you, you'll get more information out of me. I'm the, as Dale said, he said, he's not the stats guy. I am definitely the stats guy. I will bring all the numbers. I'll take everything I've noticed, all the variables. I'll bring them down to one and I'll tell you what, I'll give you the best information you can find out there. All right. On behalf, on behalf of John Chappie, the man on behalf of Steven, be easy. Bringing you the best players ever